Greetings and welcome to Mental Health Trailblazers, Psychiatric Nurses Speak Up. I'm your host, Andreas Kasai, and joining me today is Wong Kyung Chang, SAMHSA Minority Fellowship Program at the American Nurses Association Doctoral Fellow, for this conversation on the mental health challenges that Asian American youth and adolescents face in America today, and how behavioral health professionals, including nurses, can better respond to their unique challenges. Wong Kyung, welcome to Mental Health Trailblazers. If I could ask you to please introduce yourself to our audience. Yes, sure. Hello, my name is Wong Kyung Chang. I'm a MS PhD student at the University of Rochester. I have been working as a psychiatric nurse for about four to five years in Korea and Rochester, New York. My side experience in Korea focused on addiction care for adult patients. And here in New York, I care for children and adolescents with significant trauma experiences. Two years ago, I joined my PhD program with a question that how childhood traumatic experiences influence substance use later in life. But my research interest has shifted over two years and I have been influenced by my diverse patients and researchers in my school who are studying sexual ethnic minority populations. So my current research interest is more about mental health, substance use and health behavior among minority populations. Thank you for that introduction, Wong Kyung. And let me take you just back a little bit and ask you how you got into the field of psychiatric mental health nursing, because I don't think it's a very common profession in Korea. Yeah, it is not common. Uh, so my first job was ICU nurse in Korea, one of the biggest hospitals in Busan in Korea. And it was cardiac surgery ICU unit. And I enjoyed the job first, but later I had burnt out and I decided to kick the job and I needed rest. So I moved back to my hometown and that time I lived with my parents and there's a pretty good hospital focusing on substance use care. So I just applied for a nursing position there. And uh, my plan was the time to move to the United States. So I only stayed there for about one, two years. And why did you want to move to the United States? That was my uh, long-term plan since undergraduate. I wanted to see a bigger world and with my nursing job, I could relatively easily move to this country. And we do, in Korea, we do have nurse practitioner system, but we cannot really work as a nurse practitioner with diagnosis and prescription. We don't have that uh, privilege. So I, that time when I was in Korea, I was so fascinated by the concept of nurse practitioner and I wanted to be a mental health nurse practitioner. It's Especially. And how has that experience been living as a young Korean immigrant here in the United States? First of all, in general, uh, every day I feel so thankful for all these opportunities. This country has a lot of opportunities like study, work and career-wise. But today I read an article about the birth rate in Korea and this year is going to be 0.7%, which means two people, like a couple, cannot make even like one baby. Wow. And 
Yes, and Korea has the highest suicide rate in the world. So this is all because the society is becoming so competitive and individualistic with a lack of opportunities. So I think I made a good decision to move to the United States. And when I have this conversation with new Korean immigrant nurses, many people agree with this and they are happy about their lives in the U.S. personally and as a nurse and same with me. Our focus today is Asian-American youth mm-hmm. and adolescents and the mental health-related challenges that they face. What would you say are the major mental health challenges that young Asian-Americans face, both those who've been here for you know, several generations who are not necessarily first generation, and then, uh, like yourself, those who are coming across now from their home countries. Here in Rochester, uh, New York, there are not many Asian population and Asian and Korean immigrants. So recently I visited Los Angeles to hear more about the problems among Asian American and especially youth population. And I visited a Korean immigrant nurse-run mental health clinic in downtown LA last week. The CEO of the clinic is Sarah Goh, nurse practitioner, and she shared the biggest problem in mental health care in Korean immigrants in this community is a lack of providers speaking Korean language. So even in LA with a lot of uh, Korean populations, there are only a few Korean clinics for the Korean community. The second is stigma around mental health and especially medication. Mental health is still a hidden like a subject to talk about among the Korean population. She explained that reputation is the important factor for happiness for a Korean. Culturally, our identity is shaped by like how other people think about us. So with this concept, it is hard to acknowledge their mental health problem and share it with others. So she added that many Asian children with mental health issue, they suffer from academic stress and low academic performance due to high expectation from family, more than abuse and bullying that are commonly seen in other racial and ethnic groups. So I once known Asian American providers to be aware of these culturally oriented characteristics that can impact mental health problems and their unique approach to the treatment. So my personal challenge being in the United States for three years, so I moved from South Korea three years ago to New York City in 2020 during COVID, but I was not sure that whether I could live there. And also that time, I did not have any support system as a new immigrant. So I got, I got all the information, mostly from news, and I was quite afraid of daily news about anti-Asian or Asian hate crime and also uncertainty. So I decided to move to a smaller city, uh, to Rochester, and apply for a PsychMP program. And for three years, I made good friends from my work and school. And also my current life is more like work, home, school, home. So I don't feel afraid anymore 
and also I don't take transportation anymore. But whenever I go to bigger cities for conferences, my advisor still says be careful for my safety. So I can feel that there are still fears about Asian target crimes in Asian communities. And I also recently visited Los Angeles to learn about Asian American Pacific Islander family and children's mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So Asian Americans are the least likely racial group to take actions on their mental health and are most likely to reach out to families and friends. So I visited a church in Orange County serving Korean families with mental health problems like serious mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Many Korean families, especially first-generation immigrant families, tend to get help from the communities rather than seeing mental health professionals. However, not all Asian families have a strong support system, especially newly immigrated people like me, and can have difficulty expressing their challenges due to guilt and shame. Why would they feel guilty And why would they feel shame? Yeah, this is related to the previous conversations uh, because of high expectation, the uh, pressure and reputation is so important. How other people think uh, about us, me, is more important than how I think about myself. But this is interesting. Uh, many people tend to like reach out to their family and friends rather than uh, health professionals. But at the same time, they tend to to hide their problems. So there's stigma. Is this stigma about mental health? Is this something that you also see in Korea, in back home? Yes, of course. But as a mental health nurse, I am with psychiatric patients. So I cannot represent the Korean general population. But right now we are becoming westernized. And we are changing a lot. So it is different from people who immigrated from Korea 30 years ago, like my parents' generation. So I believe that our society, the Korean Asian immigrants in the U.S., they are changing because uh, the new immigrants from Asia, they accept new culture, new values, new ideas. And if they come to United States and then the next generation, I believe they will be different from the current generation and the kids and children who have mental health disorders right now. Okay, so that's interesting. So what you're telling me is for young immigrants your age, And in the future, because things have evolved so much back at home, it is much easier for them to accept and acknowledge mental health problems and seek help. Whereas those who came during your parents' generation might have a much harder time with mental health. Yes, yes. Earlier you said one of the challenges was finding practitioners who speak Korean who, or who understand the culture, what are some of the implications of this for young people? I can share the barriers and why they cannot uh, have many resources. Mm-hmm. And also, we, as we discussed, it's about stigma and also you know, high expectation culture and criticizing and many 
uh, adolescents, they feel I'm not good enough. And also children of first generation immigrants are particularly expected to serve their parents, like culturally and linguistically. Mm -hmm. They are helpers for older family members in addition to doing great at school and serving as a caregiver for like their siblings. And also newly immigrated population, uh, they have language barriers. Language barriers make it difficult for Asian Americans to access mental health services. Mm. And when I visited Sarah Ko on the nurse practitioner's clinic, there are only four or five mental health clinics where the proprietors can speak Korean. But if you think about the Korean population in the Los Angeles area, it's only a few. And also lack of awareness of the resources and discussing mental health concern is considered taboo in many Asian cultures. So because of this, Asian Americans tend to just deny or neglect their symptoms. And also I found many Asian Americans and immigrants, they want to try known medication treatment first, for example, therapy and nutritional approach mm. before a medication trial. So the lack of awareness of the resources and the services, that is a major issue as well. And as I mentioned, most young Asian Americans, they tend to seek out support from personal network like church or close friends and family members rather than seek professional help for mental health concerns. Yeah. When you cannot express yourself and when you are, when you feel that talking about a, a problem that you're having, which is affecting things like your grades, but you are afraid of, not afraid, but concerned that saying that you have this issue will bring either shame or it will lead to your community judging you. Uh, you're almost in a cash 22 because you need that support to be able to work through whatever challenges you're facing, which might affect your grades, for example. But if you keep it bottled in, then your grades are going to suffer. It's a hard position to be in. Yes, and also there's financial uh, concern, like access and insurance problem. So historically, AAPIs, Asian American Pacific Islanders, have had challenges in accessing healthcare and insurance. So according to CDC, 7.4% of Asian Americans and 9.4% of Pacific Islanders do not have health insurances. And language barriers may contribute to difficulty finding healthcare and other services. And overall, 32.6% of Asian Americans do not speak English fluently. Mm. And according to Samsha, AAPI's others are the racial group least likely to seek mental health services, three times less likely than their white counterparts. Of AAPI adults with a mental health illness, 73.1% did not receive treatment compared to 56.7% of the overall population. When you hear these statistics, how does that make you feel? So we definitely need education. They need to have awareness of the resources and services, the importance of 
taking meds and seeing doctors and all about the education should be the first. And as uh, we saw the, the number of clinics in LA, which has a lot of Korean population, there are only a few. So having many Asian uh, nurse practitioners, doctors, physicians representing their own culture and their identity. concept that I wanted to ask you about, and this is something that people talk a lot about when it comes to the Asian and American population, that there's this thing called the model minority myth. Have you heard about that? Yes. How would you explain that myth? What is it and what is its impact for mental health? So model minority stereotype myth mm -hmm. is the cultural expectation placed on Asian Americans as a group that everyone will be smart, wealthy, hardworking, and submissive. So as Sarah Cole, the nurse practitioner mentioned, many Asian children with mental health issues suffer from academic stress and pressure from family. This is because their parents moved to this new country and sacrificed their lives for the children. So this is somewhat true that you need to work harder than people who are from here to survive in this country without many resources and backgrounds. However, not everybody is like that. And I have seen many conflicts between parents and children when making their important life decisions. So I believe mental health issues such as depression and anxiety that come from pressure from the family and conflicts between uh, parents and children would get better in the future. Asia is changing fast and we are accepting new ideas, values and different cultures. So we now pursue something creative, new, innovative. So I hope next immigrant generation is different from previous and current generations where basic need was much more important. So I moved in my mid-20s and now I'm in my late 20s. I'm also exploring the world and trying to see and accept many different things and every day I think about like what makes me satisfied and fulfilled rather than following just material success. So this is getting common in young Asian communities and Asian immigrants. So in the future, you will see more many Asian people in diverse positions pursuing their own dreams. You've explained like some of the the pressure that comes from families putting high expectations on their children and the children also internalizing these high expectations and putting a lot of pressure on themselves, resulting in anxiety and depression. But I'm wondering, there's a reason that it's called a myth or a stereotype, and it's because Asian Americans are being compared to other minority groups in America. And in that process of comparison, people are saying, oh, look at, look at the Asian community. They are able to do X, Y, and Z and achieve this much education, this much income. What's wrong with you guys? You know, you guys are not, you guys are lazy or you're this or you're that. So that then on one side, it creates this unreal reality for Asian Americans to live up to. And then it also creates conflict between Asian Americans and other 
minority groups, which in itself can create tension and result in stress and anxiety, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. So because of that moral minority stereotype, so we work hard to meet that expectation. And not from the society and from the family um, inside, in the family, like especially youth population, their mental health issue is uh, related to modern minority stereotype that I'm not good enough. I have to work hard. I have to meet my parents' expectation and my parents sacrifice their lives for us. They are all related. Mm. Have you ever in your time as a student and also working in the U.S., had to confront those types of issues yourself? Have you felt people are judging you because you are Asian? So school is so different from work. Uh, school, there are so many Asian researchers and faculties and students. So I feel more safe in school because there are so many people who are like me who immigrated from their own countries. But there, there's no one in my work who is Asian. And even my patients, I don't see many Asian patients. And especially at work, uh, the, the, the reason I say this, uh, the difference between the school and work is people in school, they meet a lot of Asian people. They know that everybody is different. Everybody is from different countries and Asians are all different. And there are so many countries and they have different backgrounds, but at work, they haven't met uh, many Asian other than from media. But at first, it's tough. And also, uh, I'm from Korea, and my English is not perfect. And I'm working at like, a mental health hospital. So language is so important. So they doubt. But after having time together and building relationship with them, and they change. So I feel I'm not welcomed at first, but later on I work hard and like, I expend all my energy at work. So that's not an issue anymore after getting close with them. Well, that's good. It's good that it hasn't been a major issue. I wonder if you had gone through high school here. Right. I cannot represent all Asian people because I did my undergraduate college and I did all my school in Korea and my parents are Korean, they lived in Korea. So I cannot represent everybody, Asian people. Earlier, you, as you were introducing yourself, you spoke a little bit about your academic focus. Now, what is the focus of your research right now? And what are the problems or the challenges that you're hoping to solve through that? So my current research interest uh, focuses on substance use disorders among minority populations, particularly ethnic and sexual minorities within immigrant groups. Mm -hmm. The reason that I'm interested in this topic is that I'm from Korea, where I had not had like, enough diversity education. So I was so fascinated by uh, that everywhere is diversity, talking about diversity, like a work, school. And I realized that the power of the diversity and being with people who are different from me and getting a like, different energy from them. 
So, and also at my work, I could observe racial and ethnic and socioeconomic and geographical disparities in violence exposure and mental health outcomes. So that's why how I got interested in this topic and my research interest has been shifted. And is this something that you saw in Korea when you were living there? Was that an issue in your community as you were growing up, that there was substance abuse or substance use disorder challenges? Or is this something that you're observing more here in America? Yeah, of course, more here. I've never seen that in in Korea other than media or TV. But it's changing now in Korea. And especially in nursing discipline, I don't think when I was in Korea, we didn't study LGBTQ population and also substance use disorder. Were there any things that surprised you from what Sarah talked about in terms of responding to the needs of young Asian Americans? The lack of providers, that was surprising. And so after Sarah, I met a pastor from the church um, on Sunday, and he shared several servers, mm-hmm. uh, attendees, Services, mm-hmm. um, yeah, attendees, church attendees uh, with me. And he said, you know, nowadays, there are many schizophrenia, serious mental health illness um, people in his church. And nowadays, the schizophrenia is quite related to substance use disorders, unlike before. So it's highly related to, like, especially marijuana. Marijuana is now illegal in many places. So especially young boys, young young men, he observed many young people with schizophrenia that are from substance use disorder, especially marijuana use. Within the Korean community in Los Angeles? Yes, within the Korean community. Another thing that we were discussing with uh, Sarah, we spoke about the culture of expression, how you express yourself. So again, going back to the school environment, you know, when you're in a lecture hall, the student that raises their hand first and says something, whether it's right or not, or asks a question, people get points for being not necessarily loud, but for expressing themselves and for engaging in dialogue and discussion, sometimes being loud. And I know from a previous conversation with one of our MFP alumna, this goes very counter in her experience, this was Dr. Inouye, she was saying how it was very counter to what she grew up in. So she was Japanese-American growing up in Hawaii, and she was explaining how in their family, sometimes you didn't even have to talk to communicate. Just by your body expression and your movements, people understood each other. So people didn't really talk too much unless you had a major point to make. And this then reflected in her own academic life while she was going through school. She found that it became a challenge unless there was, you know, something major. She wouldn't just, you know, speak up for the sake of speaking up. And people then misunderstood that as, you know, being quiet or submissive or... So again, some of the stereotypes that people have about uh, different ethnic groups. How has that been with you in your academic experience here? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've heard that a lot from many people for three years, and I know the importance of like speaking up. And but I'm neutral um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because this is my personality, and this is also my culture. And should I change this? I try my best to say something. More if I have questions, I definitely uh, want to like ask them, but. I don't want to change like, everything uh, that I have. So, and I met many leaders uh, at APINA conference, mm -hmm. Asian American Pacific Islander Nurses Association conferences. There are so many Asian nursing leaders, and uh, luckily I met some new teens in many prestigious schools, and they share their difficulties about this communication and. Like one of the leaders, he said, uh, communication is important, and and also there are many different types of leaders. Be who you are is also important. So, yeah, I didn't have any uh, difficulties, but I feel I had that pressure that I have to say something here. It's it's okay to be um like quiet. Absolutely. I agree with you. Sometimes some of us open our mouths too much uh, and what comes out might not be the most sensible. Let me move on, Wong Kyung. Let me ask you, how did you find out about the Minority Fellowship Program? From you. <laughs> From me? How? Yes. So I learned about this Samsha Minority Fellowship Program through social media, including this podcast. On Instagram and Facebook, and hmm. it has been less than one year being a fellow, but so far the training experience has been okay, wonderful. So wait, uh, through social media. So how did you find it, or were you googling it? Yeah, I googled it um, because my interest is all about mental health issue among minority population. Mm -hmm. And I found this program through social media and I started to listen to this podcast and it was interesting and I decided to apply for this program. And when I applied this for this program, I needed recommendation letters from professors and they asked me, are you a minority? Uh, so I answered yes, um, but... Well, not many people think that Asian student is minority. What do you mean? Or what did they mean? I think they are like researchers and like if you see NIH funding, um, even the NIH funding system, Asian students, Asian scholars are not recognized as minority. And also, if you see like people in my school, nursing school, we are not minority. There are many Asian students. So in this environment, and people can think that I'm not a minority. That's what I felt. How has your experience been with the program? It's wonderful. So this minority fellowship program prepares doctoral students and master students in healthcare professions to support some missions of eliminating behavioral health disparities among racial and ethnic minority populations. So throughout the course of this fellowship, I have participated in a series of 
educational sessions and like leadership training to grow my expertise in mental health. So two months ago during the training, summer training, I was given a chance to visit the U.S. Congress to meet New York State Senators and a Rochester congressman to advocate the need for mental health services for youth. So it was an honor to meet his politicians and share my nursing practice and research experiences in mental health with them. And other training sessions were also great. And I was so glad to see many nursing leaders in this country. And I got inspired a lot from like other fellows who pursue their own dreams. Was there anything that surprised you a lot? Like what was the most surprising moment for you at that training institute? Um, there are so many successful nurses, so we can do many different things. So you, know, you asked me, like, what's your dream? Mm -hmm. And I could not answer. And I just said, I want to be successful because we have a lot of opportunities, potentials and possibility as a nurse and nursing student. So right now I'm exploring Oh, what can we do? What can we do to improve mental health? So in many ways. So I just want to see and meet, meet people who are doing all different stuff. And so I learned a lot that I have many paths during the conference, during the training session. Uh, that's wonderful. Well, Wang Chung, is there anything more that you would like to share with us today? Oh, I, I'm a student. I just finished my second year of my PhD program and I just moved from Korea three years ago. But you invited me in this prestigious <laughs> uh, podcast because I applied for this program after listening to this podcast and I feel so happy and great and I'm not sure whether I can be here today but it was wonderful and I'm so glad to share um, especially Asian American mental health issue with you guys. When you saw the diversity in America and then when you saw the disparities that are as a result of ethnic and racial differences. What were your initial responses to that? That's interesting. So when I have conversation with my youth patients and like they, many kids, they didn't see like many Asian people other than like people from Asian restaurants. So how they react, they are pure. And how they react is, I think, that represents the society. They learned about the Asian culture or Asian people through media or their family. Well, this is the common idea that people in the United States have. So I learned this from my patients, the poor young patients. And how did you get this idea? That's interesting. So that means your parents, your family, or the media that you're exposed to have this idea as well. And were they wrong? Yes. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so, so what, what were some of the, the things that were wrong? Like for example, um, like bad words toward Asian uh, regarding Asian people or like many things are related to Asian food and I, they assume that I'm from a certain country because they 
they didn't have enough. They are young, and they didn't right now. They didn't have enough education about different cultures. So I understand that. Were you offended with anything? Yes, but they are young, and they are my patients, and I think it's not wrong.、Mm. But I have to say something to, and I need to correct them. But they are still learning. Yes, of course, we have to understand where people are coming from. What have you found to be a very effective way of letting people know that it's well not quite the way they say it is? So, for example, so my name is hard to pronounce, and I、uh, tell them I'm from South Korea, and and many kids they are interested in Asian culture, and because I'm unique, I'm different from other nurses and employees there, so they want to learn some words like Korean words, and I spend some time with them and teaching Korean words and how to pronounce my name, and they are quite interested in. Like Korea, and because of like K-pop and Korean entertainment, <laughs> yeah, and culture, and yes. Okay. All right, Wang Kyung, thank you very much. And yes, this is a special episode because we are wrapping up our season on youth and adolescence. So, thank you again for the gift of your time. Thank you so much. And that does it for this episode of Mental Health Trailblazers. Psychiatric nurses speak up. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion, and I look forward to you joining us on future episodes. This is the Minority Fellowship Program at the American Nurses Association podcast, featuring nurse scientists addressing the psychiatric and mental health issues affecting underrepresented communities across America. You can always find us online at emfp.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The views expressed by the speakers and hosts do not necessarily reflect the official policies of the Department of Health and Human Services, nor does mention of trade names, commercial practices, or organizations imply endorsement by the U.S. government.